Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, where filmmakers become entrepreneurs. With my dad, he's a dork. Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McMahon, and this is the podcast where we try to help filmmakers become entrepreneurs. Today, my guests are Karen Warden and David Brannon over at FilmCourage.com. Now, I first learned about Film Courage when I was searching for new podcasts to listen to in the film section, and there they were, so I you know, started listening to a few episodes. They had a, this uh, radio show over at LA Radio, I think, uh, for the last few years, and then I've been following them uh, through the podcast for a long time, and they've had a lot of great guests. That's actually how I learned about uh, Sherry Candler, uh, the digital marketer that I've had on before. So as I was listening to the Film Courage podcast, uh, they began to switch uh, directions and they started to make um, these YouTube videos. And they have a really great YouTube channel if you haven't yet checked it out. And from that, um, I've learned a lot from the different uh, filmmakers that they've interviewed over the years. So it was uh, kind of cool just to have them on the show just so I can just you know thank them for all the work that they've done and also get a little behind the scenes of like how they operate and what their perspective is after interviewing so many different independent filmmakers over the years and what we can learn from them in the process. Anyhow, like always, before we get started, you can grab yourself a free equipment list guide of everything I use to make a feature film for $500 with no crew at freegearguide.com. And that again is at freegearguide.com. Enough with that, let's get on with the interview with Karen Warden and David Brandon over at filmcourage.com here at the Film Trooper Podcast. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, we it's appreciate nice it. You know, we're certainly humbled by it. Man, you know, it's funny. Um, I think I caught your guys' podcast, you know, whatever, t- it was like two years ago. It was like right before you're uh, going to release uh, Goodbye Promise. Yep. And if you can kind of back me up a little bit, uh, first off, this is kind of funny. I always thought, David, that you were like some black guy that played in a jazz band. Your voice <laughs> was always so low, and I was like, damn. And then I saw you, and you look like some dude from like Iowa or, Iowa or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. You have a really good voice. It was like a great radio voice. Like, oh, man, this guy is cool, you know? And then. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the first one to say this, guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've heard that before. It's no. a good thing. It's definitely a compliment. So I was curious, how did film. Courage um, come about? Like, how did it, wh- where was the idea, the impetus of, to create it? You, you know, we, we started Film Courage. Um, I, I guess we, we were promoting our own film at the time, uh, Night Before the Wedding, and, and we had the opportunity to visit LA Talk Radio, which is here in Los Angeles. And we visited the studio. Um, we, we really enjoyed it. You know, part of the story is um, Night Before the Wedding was the film we were promoting. There's um, porn stars. There's one porn star that's in the movie. She was scheduled to. Go on. I'm sorry. Just kidding. (laughs) She was scheduled to appear with us. Um, She wasn't actually able to make it um, that day. It's live radio. And and Karen had um, come down to the studio um, as part of the experience. Just, you know, I wanted her to be here, be there. She really wanted to be there. And so the host, uh, Kip Brown, invited us, invited Karen into the studio. and so we, we did. The, we ended up doing. You know, we ended up promoting Night for the Wedding that day. But what we took away from that was we just really enjoyed that experience of being in the studio. And so coming out of that, we talked about um, doing our own show. And then you can say since then, you know, just to shorten it down, um, I think I think we've just found that we enjoy sort of, um, you know, as we as we start our own show, we, we discovered that we really enjoy 
featuring other people and hearing their stories rather than sort of promoting our own story, you could say. Interesting. Yeah, and if I understand correctly, so you guys uh, did the the radio portion of it that turned into a podcast uh, for, was it a year or two years now? Oh, we did it for three years. Three years. And we never missed one episode. It was every Sunday. Um, and we actually had to pay to do the podcast. I think a lot of people had the impression that we were being paid, which I wish that was the case. Um, but we actually paid for the studio space, which was really wonderful. It was you know, air conditioned and you would come in and it felt like you were in a real like live sort of radio uh, scenario. And then they would uh, post your show like within 24 hours. And um, it was just a clean sound. You know, we love blog talk and those other platforms, but we just felt this was better um, in terms of the sound. And also the guests could come in and see us face to face a good 50% of the time. So if we didn't show up, then we'd have to pay. Um, and that was the impetus for us always being there. So, yeah, I mean, we, we did three years straight, never missed a day, not even New Year's or Christmas. Wow. Wow. So mm -hmm. when was the decision to um, uh, close the audio portion down and go with the video stuff in your YouTube channel? Well, oh. I guess, you know, we, we love being at LA Talk Radio and we still recommend it for anybody who's in this area that wants to do a show. I think that because we were paying for it and because we were also paying for these screenings, we were doing like a monthly film screening at a great theater downtown. Um, we, this, the costs added up and we were really working really hard to kind of pay for launching the business and we decided let's try video. Um, we were actually going to do something similar to this call capture and do like a Skype um, video version of our podcast. We did a few of those and we just weren't that into it. And so we decided let's go ahead and do where we actually go to people's homes or their offices or press junkets with a camera and be, you know, right sort of in the trenches with them. And we like that better. And we like the fact that we didn't have a studio because it was a different place every time we went. And we had a different uh, look in the background. And it was like you got a sneak peek into that person's world a little bit. Oh, <laughs> there you go. That's good. I was just curious if, you know, creatively, like what, you know, what you found as, as your journey has sort of um, evolved over with Film Courage. I've, you know, your site has gotten more robust. Uh, it's become, a, you know, a curation of you know independent film the the way you guys have put it together um obviously you guys were you know doing the podcast radio show um when did the layers of business or the entrepreneurship aspect of it start creeping in um where you began to start developing a plan for what film courage was going to be you know probably almost a year after we started wouldn't you say david i mean we didn't really plan to make it we didn't. I wish we had more of that business mindset when we started out. I think David and I were both at a point in our lives when we started the podcast that we were just looking for something new and fresh to do. It was a great way to promote essentially what were David's films. And I don't think we really thought of it that way. And then it started to take shape after we got tired of telling our own story and we wanted to hear everyone else's story. We got more from that. We felt really recharged after every show. And so then we started getting, oh, well, can you promote this? Can you promote that? 
and we would, but then we started to see that there was a need for ways for smaller filmmakers to get press because we had trouble finding press for our own projects. We would say to people, hey, I have an article written. Can we post it on your site and just hear nothing back? So as time went on, we started to see the need. We started the website just as like a way to promote our show after about, what was it, maybe a year? I think we launched it on 10-10-2010. Yeah, 10-10-10. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's an interesting date. So we just started to see that more people would hit us up. And then we started to realize, well, we kind of have something here. So this has come on as essentially something that we wanted to do for ourselves. And then we started to see that other people needed sort of press and it became more of a service after a while. Um, So slowly but surely, we've turned it into a business and you know, in the beginning, I would write to people that I would see on Kickstarter and I'd be like, hey, do you want to write about your project? Because at that time, it was so it was so much smaller that I could handle to post people's articles. And sometimes people would respond and say, sure. And other times I'd never hear anything back. Hmm. And then it got to the point where we actually had to start charging for the articles, like just a small fee. Yeah. Right now, I charge $15. Because it takes me almost two hours to post it on the website, the way like, you have to upload it. Um, so to answer your question, we didn't really have a business plan in mind. And it kind of started little by little and then assembled into a business plan. I see. Because it's, it's interesting. Um, like I'll follow the, the website here and there. I'm on the, the newsletter. Um, and then I love the videos, like the YouTube channel, I'm your, one of your subscribers, you know, oh, and okay. I do love like how you guys have c- controlled sort of your thumbnails, which is like the big text. It's just sort of like, here it is, you know, <laughs> this, is, this is what you're going to get when you click this, you know, it's, it's genius. It's great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And just to add what Karen's saying, you know, we, we spent three years paying for LA talk radio to do the show, mm-hmm. you know, we're, you know, in terms of just being podcasters and having the website, you know, we were able to generate some ad revenue, um, but that, that's not easy to do. And, and, and oftentimes the, the amount of ad revenue that we we're able to generate wouldn't necessarily even cover the cost of doing the show. So we're always out of the pocket. Um, you know, we started the screening series and, and for the first year, our screening series essentially broke even. You know, so here we were trying to leverage um, sort of the, the audience we were building online and we were trying to leverage that into this monthly screening um, but for the first year, we broke even on that end, and then we modified um, our strategy heading into the second year because we weren't sure if we wanted to continue at that pace. Yeah. And so, um, so we worked it out where we had um, filmmakers take more responsibility with with the with the screening, and essentially, it just worked out where we would have them pay half the deposit of what we had to pay, and in terms of any money that came in. We would sort of be um, the, you know, the, the filmmakers would be the first ones in in terms of putting up their money. And, and if, if ticket sales surpassed um, the total deposit, then anything beyond that we'd split. But if it came in under, you know, like we would get our money back first and then they would get their money back. So they were more incentivized to have a successful screening. And, and we found that, that generally um, with that format, um, that it worked out for us, you know, we didn't have any screenings that, um, but it also worked out for the filmmakers, you know, we had more successful screenings that second year. 
Uh, Karen wants to jump in with something. Well, and also in in addition to the screening, then we would take photos and then we would post them on the site and we would promote it. So they got not only the screening that they could invite their friends and family to, mm -hmm. but then we would try to put it in the paper and, okay. and we would try to like do a little, you know, our own little version of sort of this, uh, you know, premiere release and do the photos and tweet it out and things like that. So there was an, a, a little bit of an additional thing like you would call a service almost with that not sure what the reach was at that time because what's funny is a lot of people thought oh wow radio that's great you must have a huge audience believe it or not now that we're on youtube it's like five times as much oh, than it's a lot more than five is times. it okay yeah. sorry well, i'm being, being really modest here but it's 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 unbelievable the the amount of views we get on YouTube compared to when we did our podcast and we put it on Podbean and we put it on these other platforms. It, it's just such a wider reach. So, you know, we have more eyeballs now on our stuff and we have more people contacting us. And so we felt that, okay, well, there's a need here. There's people that want press that maybe they can't get in some of the bigger publications, but then we can do our own version of it, even though we're still very, very small. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we just saw the need for it. Very cool. It, the percentage of um, your video interviews that you do that uh, filmmakers actually, you know, they pay the pay the fee to have you guys come out and help, you know, with their press versus some of the, the press junk and stuff. Like I'm assuming when you interviewed Spike Lee, you know, you were part, you were able to get part of a press junket. Was that how that worked? Oh, in terms of Spike Lee, um, you know, we saw that he launched his crowdfunding campaign, and, and sometimes what we'll, we'll do is, is we, 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 you know, you know, we get excited, and we get excited to talk to, 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 you know, recognize filmmakers who are sort of taking that leap and putting themselves out there, and so, um, you know, especially at that time. So, you know, we, we, we supported the campaign. You know, we like to support our, our fellow filmmakers, mm -hmm. so we support them, and then we we send them a message. Um, through Kickstarter and and one of his people um, correspond. You know, we, we said we you know you know we love what he's doing and we love a chance to talk to him about it. And one of his people eventually got back to us and we, and we were able to, to set up an interview uh, from there. I mean, <laughs> were you guys floored? Like, oh my god, they actually accepted? Or like, what was the emotions it was, like? It was, it was kind of a trip because yeah, it was fun. You know, <laughs> because you know it was kind of vague. It was kind of like. <laughs> It was kind of like, okay, you know, we were back and forth. It's like, okay, Spike's going to do it, but there were no details, you know? So it's like, okay, and it's like, it's going to be on this day. It's going to be at a hotel downtown, or I'm sorry, it's going to be at a hotel in Hollywood. And so, so we leave our house thinking like, okay, we may or may not interview Spike today. And, and we live an hour from Hollywood, by the way. Yeah, so, so okay. we're driving there thinking like, you know, we hope this happens. We hope it happens or whatever. And then doesn't everybody live an hour away from Hollywood? <laughs> much, yeah. With traffic, it could be a few blocks, but yeah, but we literally live, you know, on the outskirts of, of the city of LA, like near sort of the foothills. And so we, we took our stuff. I remember we had lunch and we were just sitting there. It was sort of like this celebratory lunch in a way. Cause it's like, wow, hopefully we're going to speak to Spike Lee right now, but we didn't want to get too excited so it was like a very nervous, like we were just waiting. And then I think we got the email and it said, great, come and meet us. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, I think this is really going to happen. And then we drove over and it was just surreal. And we were sitting in the lobby and he had some other people that had to meet with him first. I don't know if it was like BET or different people. And we were there and it was just like, 
it almost didn't feel real. And then bam, once it happened, we were in and it was like, okay, let's mic him. Let's get this done. And it was, it was cool. I'm looking at the poster actually that he signed right now that we have. He signed the poster <laughs> for us. It was very nice. And uh, even though we met with him for only 15 minutes, we will never forget it. Yeah, it was pretty you know, cool. And the, the great thing about Spike is, is, you know, he had to set up all, you know, have, you know, set up all the camera equipment and everything and, and, and get all, get everything ready. And then he sits in, and we mic him, and he's like, okay, let's go. He's like, let's, let's make this happen. And so, you know, it's like, you're kind of nervous. Like, I'm nervous just pressing, like, the record button, you know, like, and, and rolling the camera on him. And, and, and you know, and, and and he took his time. You know, he gave us the interview. Yeah. And then afterward, you know, because you, you feel such pressure. You feel so rushed to, like, set up quickly and then break down quickly and get out and just respect respect his time. Yeah. And and he had to say, look, slow down. Just just it's okay. Just, just you know, just get everything packed up. And that's when he took the time to grab a poster, signed it for us. And you know, he, he was really gracious with us. He was very very cool. Now, let me if if a, any independent film, filmmaker is trying to come on and get promotion within Film Courage, um, like you said, you have uh, a service where if you pay like fifteen dollars, you can get. Uh, your blog posts or your your writing put to you know onto the site, and then yep. the, then you have another service that if you want to get the video, you know, like you said, you have to, you know, be at a house or something where you guys can come to where you can set up. Yeah, yeah we and, do house calls. Right. <laughs> yeah, house calls. So you do the house calls. So what what percentage of on the um, that you've done that are been um, press related versus uh, uh, paid related? Me like you know like is it like an eighty twenty like eighty uh, percent filmmakers have uh, paid for the service and twenty percent have been like uh, at press junkets or something? You don't have to answer the question. I can totally cut it out. I was just curious. That's all. No, no, yeah, we're we're still working our way up in that direction, Scott. You know, it's something that we've introduced um, and we've started. We've started to do um, paid interviews. But really, that part of it's just an infancy. I think, you know, I think it's really us um, showcasing our work, you know, and, and just sort of putting the work first. And so, um, you know, and, I, and that's kind of where our focus is, you know. But it's getting to the point, though, where, you know, we, we've done a lot of work um, in, the, in the last two years. And, yeah. and so we have a lot of work stockpiled. So it's getting to the point where um, it's, it's hard to take on a lot of interviews um, unless they are paid interviews, because we have, um, you know, we have we have just a, a full backlog <laughs> of, of of interviews that we're working on. So you know, there's no there's no pressure currently. Right. We have to continue to take on new interviews. Um, so we're, we're we're in a comfortable place like that. Um, and, and and just in the last few months, we we've seen that that emerge, but it hasn't hasn't really emerged, and we don't really know what to expect. Um, yeah. And so, you know, currently. You know, we kind of, you know, if the if if large enough opportunities present themselves, then we go with the large opportunities. But it is it, it's it's hard, you know, because we love, you know, we love talking um, to to the to the filmmaker that doesn't have that big name. But it's getting to the point where our time is limited each day, and so, um, you know, that that's where we have to just, you know, we we have we've had to sort of have this in place where we now charge for that service. Well, we also have a share and discuss board. And the reach is minimal, but we did have a few uh, crowdfunders tell us that they received a few donations just from posting on it. So we have a free option for, for people. They do have to log in to discuss, which some people seem averse to. I don't know why. I've received a lot of emails from people like, oh, I can't do this. Can you post it for me? And, you know, it's just, it's funny because it's like 
you know, people will respond and I try to get back to them or we actually have an intern too that helps that we try to get back to them within 48 hours. I would like to be faster with it, but, and I would say 50% of the time people respond. It's not, you know, it's not immediate, like, and it's not every one of them and we give them a free option. And I think that's the hard part about making a film is that you think people want to know about your film, what inspired it, and things like that. And sometimes that's not always what gets eyeballs to your project. Sometimes it's more your backstory that they're curious about. What was it, Evan Glodell for Bellflower? Remember he had this interesting backstory, and then that made me want to find out more about the film. So sometimes people, they want to talk about their characters, and, and, they, and, and I get it. Those are real people in their minds. But then sometimes I find it's more that artist's backstory that's more intriguing, and then you want to know about their film not the other way around. So we found that that's really been the the key to what we do is finding out other people's stories and not so much their characters and and stuff related to the film. It's more their personal journey weaved in with that. Yeah, I mean to add to what Karen like to kind of back that up with some um with some numbers, I guess. You know, we find cuz you know what we do the difference with our, our sort of YouTube channel and what we're doing there is we get a chance to be more specific. You know, like when you're doing a, a podcast, you're rolling out, you know, whatever, a half hour or an hour worth of content where it's hard to label it anything but interview with David and Karen. And <laughs> you know? But right. you know, we, you know, we started breaking down our content into smaller pieces. And, and as we've done that, something that we've seen time and time again is is you know when we ask people specifically about their film you know like what inspired your movie and, and we and we have that and so you have like you know um you, you know a title where it's like you know the inspiration behind my movie blank or whatever right right um, and we, we find over and over again that those videos will be some of the least viewed videos of any that will post with that person, you know, and, and that, that's, that happens over and over again. So it's, it's one of the things that we've definitely learned, um, that, you know, filmmakers think like people are excited to talk about the, the inspiration behind my, my movie and my idea. And, and, you know, and we, we want to ask people about their movie, but we find in terms of the audience, <laughs> believe it or not, they're, they're not really looking for that. At least maybe our audience, our audience is just not looking for that information or, you know, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like, what, what do they say about the internet? There's two things people use internet the internet for: is one to solve a problem to a question, and two to be entertained. So if you can combine the two together, there you and go. You're right. Um, now let me ask you: so you guys have interviewed a lot of different filmmakers in a lot of different disciplines, from acting, screenwriting, you know, directing, cinematography. Um, what has been sort of the common I don't know, takeaways. Like, you know, you've got this wealth of knowledge or this library that you've built and you've got an opportunity just to hear hear all this stuff out. Um, is there any sort of like tidbits or tips that you can come away where you're like your own re revelation of like, wow, you know what? What's the most common or for these types of filmmakers that are actually successful or if they have a good attitude or those who are, you know, those who struggle have this or, you know, just being around it for, you know, like I said, Film Courage has been around uh, f over four years now, right? Yeah, we just we just celebrated five yeah, years. Five years. Five years. Okay, see that's that's a lot to build the audience you have, and <laughs> so you you know you've got a a, a plethora of you know backlogs yeah. of 
interviews, in the, I'm sure, in the back of your head, but what kind of takeaways can you share with the, uh, the rest of us? I would say from what I've seen, um, it's been an artist who had to write, who had to make a film, who had to produce something. They had to do it no matter the outcome. And that they kept doing it the next project out again, no matter the outcome. They weren't in it for the money. They weren't in it for the fame eventually. Maybe initially that was, I mean, hey, we all love attention. But I think that that part maybe faded and they just had to get these stories out. I think that's probably it. And no matter what happened. And unfortunately, some of them maxed out credit cards and things like that. And I'm not sure where they stand today with it. But they felt compelled to do it. I mean, we, we interviewed this filmmaker, Brian Jun, um, recently, and he was just incredibly honest and said, I had to make this movie whether I was going to die or not. And I really think a lot of that boils down to, to what keeps people going in this business because there's going to be a lot of times when the rug is pulled out from under you. Even with our interviews, we think we're going to interview somebody big or whatever, something happens, and then last minute, oh, sorry, guys, you know, and... So a lot of times we've been discouraged and it's really easy to give up because a lot of what we do is kind of tedious. It's not really that glamorous. But I think because we love hearing these stories that we get back up and say, okay, let's try it again. And we've seen that with other people as well, that they just keep going back to that project or then a new one or, you know, they just, they don't want to stop. They, it's, it lives inside of them and they have to get it out of them. It's interesting. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, David. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, and just to add to what Karen's saying, you know, and some, some, this is some answering a question like this is a little challenging because, you know, we're filmmakers. Um, we talk to a lot of filmmakers. We also live in L.A. So, you know, so, you know, there's people that we, we meet with all the time. Um, so it all kind of like becomes one big cloud or like <laughs> in, in terms of like separating what's from what's from talking to, you know, interviewing people on Film Courage, what's just from our own experience and, and, and so forth. Um, but, you know, but I think, um, you know, I think what I've seen is I've seen people, um, start, um, when they're young, um, you, you know, and just sort of work their way up. So like maybe they're in their early twenties, but it's something where, where maybe they've been acting since they were 12 or, or something like that. Or, you know, maybe they're a filmmaker who has some success in their early twenties, but they've been making small films like they started at a young age and they had that passion there from a young age. So, um, so I think we see a lot in a lot of cases, some of these folks just started really young and, and had, and had that advantage. Um, and also I think it's, it's those who, who do have an early success, I think goes a long way. I, th I think if you can, um, act in something, um, that that's big, when you're younger or if you make a film that has success early, you know, wh whether you're accepted into a large film festival or wh whatever it is, if you can have that success early, it helps sort of um, move you to the front of the line, so to say, or, you know, bump you up so that you can keep doing it. Um, you know, but, but overall, I, you know, I, I wish I had, um, more encouraging thoughts in terms of, um, I mean, I, you do have, you do have it where, you know, anyone now they always say can make a film and, and so forth and so on. Yeah. But I think it's, it's just getting so much more difficult in terms of, um, just competing with all the noise currently. And is it, and the whole, the whole business model that's in place right now, I think is just really challenging. And, and what we found by doing 
our current video interviews is we find that a lot of filmmakers we talk to, um, you know, because we're, we're going to offices and we're going to, to homes and, and these people are, you know, they're, they're not, it, it, you get the impression that they're not necessarily hurting, um, you know, that, 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 that they're doing, you know, a lot, of, a lot of filmmakers like cry poor, cry broke, but I think filmmaking <laughs> is an endeavor for those that, that come into it already where, where they're already established, you know, that they're, these, these aren't like, you know, we don't go into a lot of apartments, like dungy apartments and things like that. No. We're, we're going into a lot of nice homes when we visit people. I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, look at that. I mean, that is a pretty good looking house for yeah. kitchen for somebody that that's like films I've never heard of. You know, it's like, <laughs> but I mean, it's good. It's just, it's interesting. But uh, it's interesting because like I've, I moved up here to Portland about, you know, almost three and a half years ago. And um, I'm. I'm from Southern California, so I spent time in both LA and San Diego. And there is this weird sort of bubble um, I noticed with LA because I would, you know, do work there and then leave, and it's like this, it's this like this ever like twenty four seven like uh, bubble of hype. Like there's so many possibilities. Like it's like so many things could happen. Sure. And then you get out of it, and you sort of you, you can kind of like see it from the outside perspective, which gave me the uh, confidence to to move up to Portland. Because it was like after, you know, dealing with some stuff at the American film market, I was just like, I think you could probably make a film anywhere and sell it. I wonder yeah. how you could do that. So with that sort of advice, if the, if it's true that, you know, filmmaking is uh, – the production part of it is no longer a barrier and um, now distribution, geez, in the last year is no longer a barrier. You know, I mean we have access to get our films out to the entire world. Um, uh, an audience, you know, the same audience that the big studios are um, are looking to get as well. And now that marketing has sort of been like the or crowdsourcing or or building your audience is the last barrier. What sort of advice um, do you have, or like a perspective do you have about um, creating a film like that and being able to sell it directly online? You know, I, I wish we had more access. I mean, it seems like the place, you know, where, where independent film is, is thriving more is perhaps through cable VOD um, and also through iTunes. Um, I, I wish I had more numbers where I could say, um, you know, I, I just wish I had I, I wish I had some stuff there where I could back it up. I mean, I, I can say in the other extreme, you know, we spoke we, we spoke with uh, Patrick Creedon um, a documentary filmmaker yesterday and to give you some numbers in terms of the, the what's happening theatrically um his, his first movie uh wordplay was released in 2006 it was a sundance, sundance film yeah the um, one about the wasn't it the crossword puzzle documentary yeah. Yeah. yeah and 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 at the time when he released it theatrically it was the top 25 all-time documentary it, made, it was one of the top 25 all-time documentary films Made over three point one million dollars at the box office. Two years later, he released a second film, IOUSA, um, and that one made eight or eight hundred eighty thousand at the box office. And and then just the just last year in twenty thirteen, his most recent film, um, if you if you build it, um, that one made forty three thousand at the box office. <laughs> so um, so that, that's what's happening. You know, that, I think that kind of you know, gives all of us an idea of what's happening tactically for films. Um, I can give you a little idea of what's going on with iTunes. Um, I saw some numbers recently, and it's interesting. 
like the top like movie will make you know uh, maybe maybe like twenty million or something. Uh, like I think like Frozen is like ridiculous. It's got like one hundred sixty million on iTunes, but that's like literally electronic sell through where people are buying the twenty dollar version, wow. and then um, that's the top. And then I've seen films that have like a distribution company behind it, a star that we know, and it's maybe making twenty five to fifty thousand dollars on iTunes. And then the ones that are, have uh, films that have no distribution, no stars, like just like me, like making a film, paying the aggregation, you know, cost, yeah. and then getting it up there is maybe a thousand to five thousand dollars, you know. Interesting. So it's yeah, it's mind blowing because you're just like, oh my gosh, like so, like what we're doing over at Film Trooper or what I'm doing with Film Trooper is the concept of like. Maybe your film is nothing more than like an advertisement to sell some other sort of affiliate product, like that film uh, "Fat, Dead, and Nearly Sick." Or no, right. sorry, fat was it? Fat, sick, and nearly dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah Joe Cross's <laughs> film. So you know, he was already an entrepreneur, you know, a businessman. So he does this film, and it drove everybody to his site, uh, "Fat." sick and nearly dead and he was selling the juicers and he made this all this money off the affiliate sales i don't think he needed to because i think he was well well to do with his businesses but i've seen a lot of different stories that are outside of sort of the again the bubble like i call like the bubble of like press like we have like indie wire and we have a lot of different um blog posts that every like you know deadline you know that we all follow and it's kind of sexy to kind of follow this, like the the traveling circus of one film market to another, because the same sellers and buyers at the Cannes film market, you know, end up going to like the Berlin. They end up going coming over here uh, to the states, the American film market. You know, like they they just they just go from one show to another show, and everybody gets you get kind of sometimes lost in that bubble. And there's just all these other people making a killing doing something so outside the the scope of what traditionally what we think of what the Hollywood uh, way of doing things is making money. Said so Joe Cross is you know he made a film. He's um, I hope to get him on my podcast in the fall when he's got his second film coming out. Nice. And he's got like, but he said he made a ton of money selling these juicers as an affiliate sale. There was another woman, uh, crazy was it crazy sexy cancer? She was struck by cancer. She did a documentary about her thing. Now she's like on Oprah. I mean, she's got this whole like industry that she built off of like her experience, and the film was part of it. But it was really kind of almost like an advertisement for this bigger cause. Uh, I think uh, food uh, there's a Food Matters or something like. There's all these different documentaries that kind of put that stuff together, and yeah. I think it's hard for like genre films, like if you're doing a comedy or a drama, or if you're going to do a, like a sci-fi or whatever it is, to sort of build that bigger scope uh, of selling it that way. So I, I was always fascinated because. That you guys, to me, Film Courage was like, oh, cool. They they did it. They they mm-hmm. took this audience that they built of filmmakers, and and you know, filmmakers is sort of like <laughs> it's a very diverse you know market, <laughs> 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 meaning that you know you you get you know it's, it's hard to. I guess the thing is like we get rubbed the wrong way sometimes. Some independent filmmakers are 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 very cynical and could be uh, very trollish in their comments, you know, of, of support of one another. Yeah. But then other times you can see that there are you know a lot of support. Um, and I know that you know Ted Hope is out there. He's on the soapbox, just, you know, trying to get people to get together and you know be as one as a community. So 
I don't know. I sorry, I start rambling. But I was trying to help sh- uh, the conversation with the numbers just to kind of give yeah. you insight. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where you start thinking, like, yeah, you know, um, unless you have a lot of things uh, lined up um, in terms of like you have again this, the, the same old same old. Do you have like a reputable stars? Um, do you have a distribution company behind you, a reputable one that can provide some sort of marketplace or awareness? Um, and of course your film's got to be somewhat interesting to that demographic of, um, who would be willing to like spend 99 cents on it to watch it, you know? (laughs) Right. And just going back to what you were saying, Scott, about a community and, um, trolling comments and things like that. I think just part of it comes from just any collective or any group whether it's independent filmmaking or whether it's gardening or what have you. And then I think that that people just have opinions about one another and I think sometimes they're valid and sometimes they're not and I think it just happens and then we happen to be in a situation where people can just comment online and be anonymous about it. So, you know, and, and everyone's kind of a critic and everybody has their opinions about a peer's work and whether they think they deserve the praise that they get or that they should get more praise. So it's an interesting thing to kind of sit back and watch who's talking about what and who's kind of yelling the loudest. And um, that's why we really just enjoy telling other people's stories. You know, I mean, we don't have any project that we're working on currently, but just as David said earlier, Film Courage is like an ongoing documentary series. Interesting. Yeah. You know, it's, Kind of reminds me of like, you know, with like what Jeff Goldsmith has done with like creative screenwriting, uh, as a, uh, when he did all the podcasts and the yeah. screenings and now he's with uh, Q and A, you know, he's, he's amassed this massive amount of like library of such valuable sort of interviews with like screenwriters, you know, very, yeah. and then I see the same sort of business model for you guys. If, um, and with that said, do you, ha- what are the future plans or something that we could look out for, uh, with film courage? Hmm, that's interesting. We're we're kind of in that same space ourselves as as wondering that. And and just to add to Jeff Goldsmith, also like Mark Marin, what he's done. I mean, his yeah. podcast is just I could just sit and listen to it for hours over and over and over again. And I and I've seen that he's leveraged his stuff into t-shirts and mugs and he's got definite sponsors like um I don't know what the post office one he's always got stamps or something like that and he he's so great with it. In terms of us figuring out new ideas. We're in a space where we're welcome to that, but we're not sure. I mean, a lot of what we see is just kind of digging in and and continuing to do what we've done and see where it takes us in the next few years. Um, we talk about it every day. Nothing's really struck us. We're just kind of continuing to go with what we do. And we love hearing these stories from filmmakers. We love hearing about where their life was beforehand, afterward, um, how they met so-and-so to be part of the project. So, I don't know, we were just talking about it today. We take a walk every day pretty much together and we talk about, you know, what we need to do for the day and also where we'd like to take things. And we're still in a space where, you know, do we think we can sell T-shirts? No, we tried that. We had some really cool T-shirts. <laughs> t-shirts are a hard one to sell, unless you're Mark Marin. So, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I think we're just right now. The focus is, is just to, we're just trying to get a little bit better at, um, at at doing our video interviews. You know, so that that's kind of the focus is, is um, you know, getting better and better, and and really 
Um, and just and really, we're just trying to just focus not necessarily on the years ahead, but just literally just getting through this year um, sort of day by day. And we have to kind of get to the end of the year and then sort of be able to take a look back at the last couple of years mm-hmm. and, and kind of see um, see what the data is telling us. Um, it, it's it's still we're kind of like right in the middle of it right now. So it's kind of hard to, to gain. You know, we just got to, you know, like I said, we just got to get better day by day and, and see what happens. Um, yeah, that, that's what we have to do. Yeah, and I mean, five years, it seems like a long time to us because we're in the trenches seven days a week with it. But in the big scheme of things, it's five years is still so new. Um, and so all of this wasn't even planned in some sense. So we're still having to kind of like, you know, take a step back and say, well, we should really plan our website to do this and that. And we're not even at a place to come and do that yet. So we kind of, you know, a lot of it was like the cart before the horse and, and, and looking back and maybe advising to other people, definitely planning would have probably helped us do things slightly differently and maybe cause less stress in certain areas. Um, that's probably the one piece of advice to anybody building anything is really that planning stage. And you see it with the crowdfunders that approach us. The ones that send us letters where they say, you know what, we plan to release this campaign a month from now and would you be interested in covering it or could you just take a look at it, things like that. We find that those ones normally do well, um, not always, mm-hmm. but uh, planning is, is just a huge part and if, if in hindsight, that's probably one of the things I would have definitely liked to have done more of is planning. Interesting. Well, let me ask you, um, again, with summing it all up, like, what are your thoughts for the future of independent filmmaking? Or do you have like predictions? Do you have like your own sort of philosophy you think might uh, transpire? You know, I was going to add before. Yeah, I think um, you know, you know, a lot of filmmakers we see that that are able to to to, to do independent films. You know, they do have some sort of revenue stream, um, or you know, it's not like. I think it's hard to envision um, this class of people that only make independent films and do nothing else. You know, we, we see a lot of like hardworking independent filmmakers, you know, meaning they, they, they work on their own independent films, but their, their, their daytime job is as an editor or a cinematographer um, or, or they, they get hired off on projects, you know, where they're working on, on, um, on film shoots in, in one capacity or another, um, commercials, you know, music videos, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's sort of like their day job is, is you know, and, and they're also working on their craft and then, then they have their own passion projects they're trying to work on. Um, right now it's hard to totally envision, um, you know, filmmakers make a complete living uh, from from just independent filmmaking. Yeah. You know, I, I would say needed is not just the passion to make the film, but you have to have someone on your team who just can't wait to sell it. You know, you and Karen were going back and forth talking about um, selling, and I think that's crucial. You know, someone has to be a salesman. Someone like has to take that product and just can't wait to get the word out and, and, and just start selling that thing. Um, you know, and I think at that stage of it, um, you know, Karen and I, we run a, you know, film courage is still relatively small, still a small outlet, but we're finding with ourselves that as more and more filmmakers reach out to us, it's hard for us to give, um, any sort of press or any sort of mention 
to stuff unless they're they're sort of um, buying one of our services at this point. Yeah. Um, and so I can only you know and 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 you know we're, we're coming from being filmmakers ourselves, so you know we spent years reaching out to different outlets and saying, hey, can you watch my film? Can you review it? So we've done that and we, we've seen results from that. But I just feel like we've gotten to a point now in time where that sort of thing is getting more and more challenging. And so you're going to need money to sort of like grease the wheels um, to, to get your thing looked at and get people talking about it. So I, I think, you know, I always hear John Reese talking about, you know, 50 percent for the film, 50 percent for distribution. And, you know, so I, I think these, these filmmakers have to keep in mind, just become better business people. Um, try to have something where you know how the distribution is going to work ahead of time. You know, have a, have a better understanding of like, okay, this is pretty much how much money I could expect to make through these certain outlets when we actually finish the film. Mm-hmm. And and the, you know, and I guess yeah, the people we've seen that have been successful are those that have known how they're going to distribute a film. You know, before they made it, you know, before they got going, they knew how they're going to distribute it, where they're going to distribute it, and, and, and had an idea of like, okay, this is how much money we're going to generate. Um, so, so start small, start very small and work your way up or, or, or go, or go really, really big. <laughs> you know, and I think that, that, that's the, that's the hardest part for independent filmmakers is I think we've been drowned out because the game is, is, it's getting bigger and bigger. And I think those that take bigger and bigger risks, you know, Hollywood is taking bigger and bigger risks and they're just drowning out everyone else. So all of the smaller films are just totally buried, you know. Interesting. Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it with that thought because I sort of just summed it up. Okay. Um, all great. Right. Well, hey, enjoy your rest thanks, of your day. Guys. Thank you so much. Okay. You got it. Take Appreciate care. it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. And that concludes my interview with Karen Warden and David Brannon over at filmcourage.com. They're so nice, aren't they? I just there's something about them that's just uh, so genuine, and you just can tell they're just kind souls. Anyhow, if you enjoy what you're listening to, please leave a ratings and review over at iTunes. And um, you know what? I've actually had somebody ask about that, and it's prompted me to go ahead and and decide that I have to make a little video, how-to video, to direct people on how to do such a thing. Anyhow, until I get that video created, that little blog post created, if you can kind of figure out yourself, that'd be cool. Other than that, uh, thank you so much for listening to the Film Trooper Podcast, and I'll catch you guys next time.